0: Hey guys, welcome to the newest episode of the SaaS Sessions Podcast. Today we have Francois Kulik on the show. Francois is currently heading the global pipeline generation at Algolia. Algolia helps businesses across industries quickly create relevant, scalable, lightning, fast search and discovery experiences. Prior to Algolia, Francois used to work with companies like SAP, Workday and Salesforce, to name a few. Francois, such a pleasure to have you on the show. I'm thinking that I'm spelling your name correctly.
1: (laughs) Yeah, that's, uh, that's a right. difficult one. Yes, that yeah. is right. Francois, that's perfect. Nice. Don't don't worry if you get it wrong a couple <laughs> of times. That's fine.
0: Yeah. So yeah, Francois, can you tell us a bit more about you in your words, and you know how has your journey been into the SaaS ecosystem?
1: Sure, so as you're probably gonna catch from my accent I'm half French, half Irish, so it's mm-hmm. a bit of both in, in the accent nice. depending depending on how tired I am. But yeah, so you know I've been working in the IT industry and and, and especially the cloud industry very quickly in my career. So I started, mm-hmm. started first in the IT. Working for, for what was at the time a startup outsourcing company doing renewal and maintenance for um, various IT customers called Service mm-hmm. Source. That grew, and I had the chance to go through the exciting and yet tiring part of like going through a startup that is growing to 20, 50, 100 million, then IPO, then post IPO, restructuration, and everything. So that's, that's kind of good. And that's where I got my taste of moving from. You know, different departments. I've been in the sales mm-hmm. department. I've been in the operation department. I've been in the strategy department. So, you know, that was really a, a journey for that. And then, mm-hmm. from then on, I thought that I would I would jump to a bigger company. I might have overshooted a little bit because I went to mm-hmm. Oracle, which is a big, mm-hmm. a big difference <laughs> between uh, between a startup and and Oracle, right? But uh-huh. um, yeah, so started discovering the world of business development. And really found that it was um, a perfect mix of my experience between operation and strategy and understanding what is a go-to-market. Mm-hmm. How do you how do you really steer a business um, to get the maximum result out of it? And mm-hmm. then the sales part that I had all through my career as well, because it is the beginning of a sales uh, part. So I've right. done a couple of things. And I, I mean, I suppose I've done, uh, I've navigated in between the operation strategy parts, the go-to-market mm-hmm. part and the, pure business development, even inside sales, you know, going through this kind of like how do, how do you make use of all the technology to drive a sales cycle. I, I've done that, at oracle recall, and I moved on to Salesforce. There was a sort of a migration mm-hmm. at some point around 2012, 13, if you remember well, you know, uh-huh. uh, and I follow a lot of my peers going into Salesforce, had great experience there, then had the chance to work for Workday, which is an amazing product and a very fast growth company as well. Yeah. A very different proposal, and then after that, been going to been working for SAP, not SAP itself, but like well, it was SAP, but it's uh, it's the ERP cloud that they're developing, super mm-hmm. innovative. Join a couple of my ex-colleague of Salesforce, mm-hmm. most notably Di Donato, who was the the CRO of there at the time, and 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 growing a a very niche and amazing business for the ERP cloud. And mm-hmm. then had the occasion to join Algolia in 2019, nice. joining the, the CRO there. That was an ex-Salesforce as well. So it, was a, it was a bit of a connection <laughs> nice. there. Yeah. And Algolia is really amazing in terms of what they do. And that, that brings me back to my roots. It's yeah. not totally a startup because they're already quite big, so, you know, nicely, but in terms of philosophy, it's, it's probably closer to my roots. So yeah. It's kind of a loop there. So that's it me in, in a few words.
0: <laughs> nice. Nice. I think Elguli is, is would be a good fit for you. You want you get the startup taste as well, and then you get the enterprisey taste as well. So I think it's a, like a sweet spot that you have got for yourself.
1: It, it is, uh-huh. and 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 I think you know people don't realize that you can also be even when you're in a big corporation, even when you're in a work day and NCP and everything, you can keep that mm-hmm. mindset to drive things that are a little bit more project based. You know, when mm-hmm. I was talking about SAP, you know, it's a little bit, it was a little bit uh, smaller projects, you know, smaller part of the revenue. Same thing for Salesforce, like, for developing enterprise for Europe, you know, you can take that as, uh-huh. a, as a project as well, so.
0: Mm-hmm. interesting.
1: But that's how you can keep it.
0: <laughs> yeah. Talking about Algolia, right? So you you currently managing or you're currently heading the global pipeline generation for Algolia. So that that's like managing a whole PD team, right? So so walk us through what what happens at your day and what is exactly like managing the global pipeline generation.
1: Yeah, so as many company we have we have a, a dedicated business development team that is uh, separated. It's not hybrid. It's separated between inbound and outbound. Uh-huh. which is a, a conscious cho- choice i think yeah the, and you know we cover we cover the entire world through a couple of centers we have people in atlanta georgia in the us we mm-hmm. have people in, in london we have people in paris you know it's it's uh it's a little bit uh, and we have offices as well you know other offices in new york and San Francisco and and, and other places mm-hmm. japan japan as well and and australia Oh no, we don't have Australia. Sorry, Japan is 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 the place where we have people for uh, for the for the region. Um, the, the 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 growth of that of that of that organisation is obviously vital for the pipeline, but also for capturing the talents that we need at Algolia to continue our growth. So that's that's something that is super important and that receives a lot of attention uh, within Algolia itself.
0: Interesting. So so how and how has COVID affected uh, pipeline generation at Algolia?
1: in in waves huh? in waves it's so I, I suppose i prepared myself when we were getting the when we were getting the first news about the the covid i was i was also it was at the time also what i thought that the uh, recession was of a due uh-huh. <laughs> so it's kind of like i was bracing myself you know i mm-hmm. lived I, I don't i i am not that old but i i had the uh, the experience of the 2008 recession, 2009, and and living in Ireland, you know, we've been we've been hit quite hard, um, like mm-hmm. really really hard. Working for an American company in IT, you you know the the damage that it did, and and I was bracing myself for kind of the same reaction, trying mm-hmm. to to think about how I was doing, and then I realized that it was actually very very different in the sense that it was really affecting industries very differently. So it was affecting regions differently. So we had the first impact was in Europe before uh-huh. it was in the US. Yeah. It was affecting it in a very different, it's not as deep as a recession, you uh-huh. know, but it's 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 places where I realized that the key for it was to be listening to every single situation for our customer and our prospect. Cause mm-hmm. there's not one reality, right? We right. We're work a lot with retailers some retailers were thriving. Some retailers were having trouble. Some retailers were having massive troubles. In some cases, we had to be there with them mm-hmm. to make to help them make things better. In some cases, we were there to help them capture the opportunities that was in front of them. It's kind of like, it's kind of a dual thing, but I, I think what I've learned is that there was not one blanket solution like they could have been in 2008. There oh, yeah. was a lot more. And then we're talking about just the retail, but we're also covering like media and publisher and all this Got other it. industry. You yeah, know. yeah, It's really different. Yeah. And then
0: difference in between inbound and outbound since you're managing both at Algolia, right? So was mm-hmm. the effect of COVID on inbound and was the effect of COVID on outbound? Was it the same or, you know, was it different in between those two?
1: Yeah. I, I, so... I think we're lucky enough to live in the bubble, the fast, the fast growth company, and I'm the first one to admit that, right? Uh-huh. So within the time frame that you know we we got uh, we got COVID impacting, might have had an impact, but we also have had a a lot of improvement in our because it's a it's a SaaS business, a cloud product, so we yeah. had um, a lot of functionalities that were added. We implemented a new uh, a new model to for the customer to capture the value in terms of pricing and everything. So I, it, I'm not sure what was the impact of COVID because we had ups and downs based on uh-huh. that. So when we had a feature, like we, we, we had a big push in personalization and, and, mm-hmm. and, and artificial intelligence and stuff like this, it's, it pushed the business and the inbound level up. Uh-huh. And then you have the impact of you know recession and or or recession-like conditions and COVID, and it pushed the business down. So what I what I what I would say it does, though is that instead of looking at the number of our inbounds every month or you know on on a rolling basis, mm-hmm. uh, every week I'm looking at how much inbounds we receive, and I'm working a lot closer to marketing than I ever did before. And we really it, mm-hmm. take the the level of inbounds at heart, and we make sure that it never drops because you know it, it's it's uh-huh. more fluctuating.
0: Great. And and then when you mentioned you worked at with marketing team closer than ever before,
1: so what was it like? What
0: was the collaboration with the marketing team, right? Because sales and marketing coordination is a one big issue in many, many companies. And I've spoken to many people and they, they see this kind of issue at, at their end. So what was the collaboration that you were doing when you say you were working with the marketing team closely than ever before? Can you give us like um, a few examples?
1: You know what? I'll be, I'll be candid. I had to learn to work with marketing coming from the coming from the sales world you say exactly that, you yeah know, <laughs> sales sales is is always you know well sales having problem with many of the departments but you know, <laughs> in terms of in terms of marketing there's always this thing between sales and marketing we need uh-huh. each other and yet yeah. you know conflict of interest sometimes put a little yeah. wall between between us so coming from that side I always had a to learn to do that. And I, and I feel like over the years I did, and the culmination of that is that, you know, I'm I'm very comfortable even working with marketing now at Algolia. And what mm-hmm. it does is that it creates a speed that you can't have otherwise. Mm-hmm. You know, it's and it's super important for people to realize that as business developments, whether you're inbound or outbound, you're still at the kind of... Mm, middle to end of a process for marketing and the beginning to middle in sales. Exactly, yeah. If you don't don't really take at heart that you you have to collaborate every single day, you're not going to be fast enough. That means that when you have something that doesn't work, that you have a type of inbound that doesn't produce results, or that you have a type of MQL criteria that is Mm -hmm. not relevant, or any type of gap, things that we should capture and we don't, if Uh you don't have the right channel of communication, you won't be able to communicate that very quickly. They won't be able to solve it for you. That's one thing. That's the number of communication. And then what I've learned as well is that understanding the language. So Uh I'm in many, many meetings with marketings now. And what I learned is that there's a lot of things that I oversimplified in my limited understanding of what marketing is doing. Mm -hmm. I think we'll We're all kind of doing that when we try to understand something, we simplify it. And I didn't learn to speak their languages. And when they're explaining to me why something could not be done or something could be done and I should do it, you know, I don't automatically, I didn't automatically understood everything they wanted to do. And now that I'm working closer with them, I understand very quickly what they mean and why it's important for them and when it could be important for me. So totally. if I was going back 10 years and, and giving advice to my younger <laughs> self, yeah. uh, I would definitely, I would definitely give that advice, you know, listen to marketing a bit more. <laughs> That's really great. And I'm glad
0: that you work with marketing team closer than ever before. I mean, me, I'm a marketer and I, we also have a very healthy collaboration with our outbound and inbound team and plus the sales team. So it kind of creates a healthy relationship because everyone is benefiting from everyone else. And uh, mm-hmm. it, it's the more collaboration and the more communication that you have in between all these three teams, which is the sales, the business development, and, and the marketing team, the more better uh, all these three teams can function, right? Mm-hmm. So, yeah. And then talking about Algolia and COVID, right? And and then global pipeline generation at Algolia. So how was the first six months where the majority of the covid uh, affected right and then the next six months which currently we are in uh, so how has that changed as in like the first six months was we are just adapting to we the new normal which we were not sure of how it's going to be but i think now people and companies have have started to adjust to the new normal and they've started like you know adop- adapting to this this kind of world that we are currently living in so how, how has it affected in the pipeline uh, for you guys Like, you know, the first six months versus the next six months. And what are your plans for that? Right. So I see many companies battling between should they focus on demand or should they focus on brand? I mean, demand and brand drives each other. That's true. But then what is the focus for
1: Algolia like? So as I think I mentioned it before, but, you know, we it forced us to really double down on listening to the prospect and our customers
0: uh-huh
1: you know that's that's really something that that is common that is really really clear, and I think everybody had to do it i mm-hmm. we had the chance to perhaps be at the stage of our growth where it was a little bit more natural to do it mm-hmm. because we're, we're still developing the product at a, at a very fast pace, so you know you right. absolutely have to listen to the customer no matter what right. um, the 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 thing that is, that became super important is to make sure that you have a collaboration in terms of developing the value. That's something Mm -hmm. that in the good time, you can lose track of the value. Hey, we we started like, I don't know for you, actually, I shouldn't assume that, but I started my career when, you know, we were, it was the tail end of the time where you could ship a CD room with, with the, with the, with with the software.
0: Yeah. And you know, <laughs> your role was almost yeah. stopping
1: there, right? For the next five years and you yeah. had the 20% maintenance and support that was right. there and, and the value conversation was a lot less important or at least it was important, but it wasn't lasting the entire life of the customer cycle. Yeah. Amazing. Um, now value is more important with the cloud model and with innovative products. But in a pandemic crisis or acute downturn, you know, all this situation where it's a little bit more unstable, then value becomes the heart of everything you do. How can I provide more value to my customer? How can I present the value as a business marketer or marketing person? How can I make sure that the person I'm talking to understand the value of it? And the value could be, you know, could be different for every person you talk to, depending on who you talk to. the value might be to speed up the process. the value might be to make more money. the value might be to simplify their operation, but you have to really put the value in the middle of everything so as mm-hmm. I think about you know the first the first few months we had this this focus on value as I look into the the next six months, I'm really hoping that we can. Capture everything we learned on the first six months by focusing more on the value and transforming that into into something that is valuable in our product in our messaging right. you know and and, and sometimes you know just take how our customers are using us and make sure that you know we transform that into something repeatable for 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 the industry
0: makes sense, and then talking about the next six months right so that really comes from your experience for the first half of the year which in which we saw the world turn upside down. Right. So, Mm -hmm. and, and then you, since you're running the uh, pipeline, global pipeline generation, you also might have to predict, right? So you would have started with the year with some numbers that you had in mind that this is the numbers that we're going to hit. And these, this Mm -hmm. is the percentage that we expect to grow. Right. So how, how has that changed? you know, from the first half of the year to the second half of the year?
1: Yeah, so, uh, be, you know, being a private company, I'm not going to be able to comment too much on, you know, the, the level of, yeah, for of sure. mm-hmm. uh, target we even everything. But yeah. um, the one thing that I can comment on is that there's a human aspect to that. And uh, and that's mm-hmm. the one that we focused a lot in. in. I know in my department, in business development, my worry was always as if I give a target to someone, can they actually make it? Mm -hmm. You know, and and at that point, and at that point, what we did uh, to make sure that we can reconcile both the fact that the market was a little bit harder, especially, you know, you you had somebody covering Italy when, you know, Italy was a little bit more challenging and everything. Yeah. You know, uh, the point is, how can we make sure that we give them enough to be able to be successful? So that's on our side is like, how do we make sure we have... We're 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 in full growth, so territory should never be something that is too small, right? Right. <laughs> well, <have the> <laughs> yeah. in front of you, this is this is quite a large uh, market. So, we, if we put some care, we should be able to give them enough to work, and that's kind of how we moved. Not by reducing automatically the 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 the, the expectations we had, but by making sure that everybody had enough tools and enough uh, territory to to achieve it and that's you know that's, that's something that is uh, that that is a little bit complex to do requires mm-hmm. to re as you said you know you had you had expectations at the beginning of a year right and then also then you have to re reshape them and making sure that everybody has enough and then for nearly enough we're also part of the that equation for the sales team
0: uh-huh. because
1: with the with the with the business being a little bit more difficult and you know some conversation that falls through because you know the company is not investing or the budgets are reduced or stuff like this, you know we also as business development need to make sure that we double down on opening this op- this conversation because right. we want to give VAEs the ability to perform as well right Exactly. and we mm-hmm. do that by looking at the right place. By right, no by not chasing things that will not happen in the first half of a year right mm-hmm. so uh-huh. that's good. we're we're both part of the of the problem and the solution
0: <laughs> yeah totally and i can understand like you know having a predictability of sorts into different target accounts or you know your your prospects that's really some a challenging thing and plus as you mentioned in the start different parts of world has aff- were affected in different ways so it would have been really challenging for you to decide the targets for each and every individual who is catering to a different region right so i can i can imagine those conversations you're having with the team when certain part of the world that they're managing is is facing a big, big crisis and someone else who is managing a different part of the world where there is not so much of a crisis situation?
1: Yeah. Yeah, and listen, <laughs> this is something that this is something that you have to have even when there's no crisis, right? Coronavirus or yeah. special. It, it amplifies everything. But I always, I always, you know, we have the advantage when you're covering a very diverse market, whether it's Asia or whether it's Europe, uh-huh. uh, or if you have global roles, that you always have to balance that. You know that you're going to get no business in July mm-hmm. for the Nordic European country. You know you're gonna have no business in other time of a year. You know yeah. that your Q4 in Europe is not the Q4 and the and the, the, the increase in Australia, for example, mm-hmm. because of the thing or you know, so that's that's kind of a that's kind of a thing that you need to Definitely. learn to manage and balance because otherwise you, you you have too many weak points and or weak period in your in your production of pipeline.
0: Definitely. And, and yeah, coming, taking from there, right? Like prediction of pipeline. So what is the campaign that worked for you the best and what is like one campaign that you can think of that didn't work for you as much as you expected it would?
1: Yeah, that's a, that's a good question. I I think it's more in terms of like, where do we grow and how we grow? That was Mm -hmm. a little bit more difficult to predict, right? Right. And at the end of the day, we're, we're, you know, we're, we're doing well but it's never where you expect it. So we gotta we got a, a slowdown first in Europe and then we got a slowdown then in the US and that's kind <laughs> of a thing mm-hmm. that I couldn't have and then yeah. everybody came back more or less to normal. And I know that talking to some colleagues that you know have you know more exposure even to like for example China, the ERP world that are working with you know more like heavy industry in China. You know, they said they have seen the three waves. They basically had a, like a slowdown in in China, then it came back up, then it had the slowdown in Europe, then it came back up, and they had slow the slowdown in, in the US and they came back up. Came back up. Mm-hmm. And I think I'm preparing myself to have this always, right? So I try right. to keep a, a baseline, but you know, I'm not I'm not I'm not banking on a, on any region being <laughs> stable till mm-hmm. the end of a year. Um, I am, I, but I am more or less optimistic. though. I think we can, like the new normal. If you're working in the, in the industries that are that are adapting to the to to COVID, and when I talk to some of the, I'm the executive sponsor for a few of our clients, and when I hear how innovative and how they react to the to the to the crisis, mm-hmm. I'm amazed, and that gives me a great hope that actually, you know, we're gonna. We're gonna make it. We're not. We're not gonna mm-hmm. let that being a, a a horrible event that stops everything. I mean, totally. our clients. I talk to them, and they're finding ways to do business, and they find ways to even improve the service they give to our clients. Yeah. So totally. that is not the same as a recession where it's mechanical. There's a lack of money everywhere. It's mm-hmm. hard in places. Absolutely. I don't. I don't want to 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 really take light the hardship of people that are out of job and you know that are struggling but in terms of a global economy i think you know we need to make sure to find the solution to to make it to make it continue through the year and and next
0: definitely and i think this was a good teaching that covid had on you i guess and and talking about teachings like so covid has been good and bad in many in many ways for each and every individual and each and every business, right? So if talking about the good part, right? So what, what was something that COVID taught you personally about your job that you're gonna carry in, you know, for, for the rest of your life? So what are maybe a couple of things that that COVID has given back to you so that you can do your job better?
1: So the, the learnings that I would have. Yeah. I, it's something that I think I had at the very beginning of my career and, and you know, you lose a little bit as you, you get more and more people reporting to you and everything, is that the importance of every single person that is working in your team? That's kind of uh that's kind of you know, make you make you think of that. I, you tend after that when you get more people under management or you know that you interact with, you tend mm-hmm. to see people as group because you have to solve things as a group, right? You try to solve the question of Makes sense. You know, maternity leave and you know, sick leave and underperformance. And you kind mm-hmm. of tend to put people into it and solve the problem, which is good. But right. if you do that too long, then you stop listening to the people that actually have the problem. And what exactly. I found Algolia especially has a, they, they have as, a, as a, one of a value to, to really be candid. Right. And that's that's a, yep. that's a weird thing to say, but that means you know I was in a I was in a meeting yesterday where the or, or, or head of HR or, or, or chief people officer was 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 actually asking people that was in that case parents to just mm-hmm. vent what they found difficult. No mm-hmm. no you know, propose new thing or just you know tell me your ideas or how to make it better and you know it's just like you know just tell me why you're fed up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it could be could be about Algolia, yeah, it could be against the government or anything yeah. but, but relative to obviously relative to something that is useful for, for us in terms of that. Yeah. you know what you learn sometime a lot more in asking people what they feel uh-huh. as individual. Uh, because there are solutions that are there that are that are that are coming from one or two person venting, but you know after that when you propose a solution based on that, but it actually fits a larger amount of people if you were Mm -hmm. asking people to come up with things for the larger amount of people they wouldn't have you know thought about that automatically now it's a cultural thing right and it's not easy to to keep so i think you know wherever i am just doing that and and knowing that i'm a Mm -hmm. father of four kids i'm going to try to do that (laughs) at home as well although not too much but you know Mm
0: -hmm. just
1: just a little bit of that
0: (laughs) makes sense that's a really great learning right and i hope you would be thankful in a way to COVID that you had this learning before but then it kind of reminded you uh, it to you again and uh, yeah i mean that's really interesting so yeah i think we have reached the course for this episode uh franco and uh, it's been really interesting talking with you about generating a global pipeline for a company like algolia in in such a uncertainty uh, uncertain world or uncertain situation it's really amazing right and i'm sure you would have amazing insights there and for for everyone so i i'm gonna move on to the next round which is the lightning round so nice. i have like three three lightning questions for you one of which you already answered which was <laughs> so first one was <laughs> what what would you know about your work now that you would have known when you first started and i think you answered that already
1: <laughs> uh, see? yeah absolutely be nice be nice to marketing <laughs> yeah
0: <laughs> nice so then i'm gonna move to the second one so like what did your biggest professional failure
1: teach you biggest professional failure the the one thing that i regret is when i did the transition so i've had companies, I have, I have the chance to work for companies that were very, very good and that had strong cultures and everything. And I suppose at the early stage of my career, I thought that because you were able to create a team with a certain culture within a certain company, I could mm-hmm. go in another company and use exactly the same blueprint because mm-hmm. the previous company had a great culture. And I thought, you know, if it worked there, it will work in the next company. Nice. Mm-hmm. And I think the biggest failure is when I realize, whoa no that just doesn't work like this <laughs> and then I realized that you know people were absolutely not receptive to that and that's where I realized that culture is not something that you you know that you put and decide to to adopt yeah uh, it's something that you actually craft from what already exists and what people are you know totally feeling yeah, you know, and that's, that was a, that was a big thing because you know, that, that opens my eyes <laughs> a lot. And that was a failure because, you know, I had to actually almost like backtrack after like three or four or five weeks in a job, you know, just moving back and saying, okay, now I'm just going to just step back, mm-hmm. forget everything I know and re-engage. And it took obviously a lot longer than I thought it would be otherwise.
0: Totally. And then, and then moving on to the next one, Dick, what's the number one thing that has helped you shorten your learning curve?
1: So something that's helped me shortening the learning curve, mentors. Mm-hmm. I mean, absolutely. And I know it's it's a it's a little bit easy because I'm working in a hub, you know, in in mm-hmm. a hub in the sense that you know Dublin has most of the of the headquarters for Europe. That mm-hmm. means you get to a network of people that are highly successful and you, know, you get a lot of people. But I have to say, you know, the mentors of the people that really gave me solutions that I would have never thought in a million years. You know, nice. I, it's not, mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's there are the people who will give you something that is not accessible by incremental learning so it's not yeah. even accelerating is that my learning and my my train of thoughts even if that train of thought was getting 10% better incrementally better year after year i would have never achieved the solution makes sense and that person that i'm talking to is giving me a solution that kind of completely stopped my incremental learning and push <laughs> me on another on another path which is the right path and That's there's really like four or five people that are like this, that I attach myself to and that I always come back to.
0: That's really interesting. I mean this this was the main reason I started this podcast. <laughs> I mean I I wanna learn about something. I talk to people and I learn it. I mean yeah that's that's the most so that's the best way at least it has helped me and i i think it has helped you as well though you're not recording it and you're not putting it on a podcast but no it's, <laughs> it's the same no. it's it's really interesting and since since you uh had already answered the first question of the lightning round while we were talking i have another question for you right <laughs> um doesn't, it
1: doesn't sound fair that's like that's like changing the target meat quarter you don't do it okay, yeah fair enough. go ahead Hit me. Yeah,
0: no, I, I just, I just want to piggyback on and on what your chief evil officer did. And then want to ask you that, you know, is there something that you want to vent about? Like, what's the one thing that's currently troubling you? <laughs> <sighs>
1: uh I I'm going to share you something that I said, and that's, that's, I mean, we're going to the, to the sphere of being a parent during the Uh pandemic. And you know, I, I am a parent, four kids, all under 10, you know, a real Irish family. I I think, you know, there's one thing that that really bugged me is that we went very quickly from enjoying the fact that we had a little bit more time in the day because we're not going to the office and we're more efficient and everything. And we started taking the time that was the commuting time mm-hmm. as time that is okay to fill with meeting and everything. And we forgot that there are people who are parents or people, who even I say parents, it could be people who have responsibility on the side that are caring for an elderly that mm-hmm. are, that are, you know, could, could you, or even volunteering or whatever it is. But like, you know, we can't start filling the day. We've had the, the, the understanding that people have things before and after work as well. And we totally. need to make sure that we're being absolutely listening to the people and not feel this time that we save with more work. Yeah. I mean, yes, it's great to be able to do a bit more work. We have a big challenge in front of us. You know, mm-hmm. we all, I suppose, we all work a tiny bit harder to make sure that the uncertainty is not hitting us. And uh, as respect of this situation as well, we are we're lucky to have jobs, or you know, or being employable, and and we need to respect that. But do not you know, use that as you know, taking, take, removing mm-hmm. that commuting time and transforming yeah. that into meeting time.
0: Totally, that that totally makes sense, and I think people have started living at their workplace now. Or working at their living place now (laughs) however you want to call it so yeah that's really hard for like many people out there but i think it's just some time before we started adapting to this lifestyle as well so i think we'll get there
1: so i think we will i think we will
0: (laughs) great so yeah thanks a lot franco and it's been really amazing speaking with you and thank you for sharing all these amazing insights with us today
1: that's pleasure is shared. It was a pleasure yeah. to answer your questions.